Hello, listeners. This is Janine. And Stephanie. And this is The Course of Course, episode 59. Inching our way to 60. So we are moving along, talking about the course. This is really kind of our dedicated life journey, bringing it to you every other week or three weeks or four weeks. I was traveling. I was in Denver. And I will be in Ohio this coming weekend. And then after that, I will be in Dallas. Getting around. Getting around, looking for property. Wow. That's how I roll stuff. Why don't we talk about the cats? All right. Okay, so we just had a cat run over at work. Run over, meaning by a car. By a car. And it was pretty disgusting. I like that we're starting out on a down note. Well, maybe we shouldn't then. No, that's okay. Go on. Okay. This is life. This is third dimension. Yeah. And it's interesting to see how some people want to build a case and form a, an attack against this particular person that we think it could have been because he's already warned us that he doesn't like them and he asked me to not feed them where we do so we moved it to a different location that he was okay with is this somebody that works with you on the lot yeah he's just in the bungalow over okay and he drives a big old truck and he almost ran into one of the volunteers one day and there's been like three incidences he sounds really lovely so now they're talking about pulling the videotape and possibly going to human resources. And, you know, I, you know, maybe something should be said to him. I don't know. I just want to take care of my kitties, you know. So. so what is this lesson for you then? I guess not to get caught up in the drama of that the ego is trying to create this distraction and just try and stay centered and just keep turning the illusion over. I mean, it's, it's awful. You know, it was it was a sad event. It wasn't one of our loved ones. It was a new kind of skittish one that jerks around and was hiding out against the wall. And I think he, it was just a, a moment of him coming out when the car came out. And it just, it just happened. Like, accidents happen. Is the cat going to survive? Oh, no. It was dead. Oh, it, it does. Oh, yeah. I mean, its face was not good. And when did you find out about this? Immediately, they texted me. Because I kind of like manage that whole area of the lot because that's where the cats come in and out from the neighborhood. And, and this happened during a work day? At night. Oh, at night. Okay. Yeah, like 7.30. So it was dark. Seven, sometime between 7.10 and 7.25 it happened. Well, that's a shame. I mean, I think death is something that we all have a visceral reaction to. Mm-hmm. And also we're sort of nurtured in third dimension to be so sad when people pass away or animals pass away. I know for me, having an animal pass away is so devastating because they're so helpless and you want to always take care of them. It's also really hard when family members pass away, but it's a different kind of grief. We've had a number of celebrities pass away, you know, kind of in quick succession. And I know Bill Paxton had passed away and we really loved him as an actor. It's strange when you see somebody on the TV and you sort of feel like you have a relationship with them, even though you've never met them. And we loved Big Love and a lot of the stuff that he did. And it was a little surprising because he was relatively very young. I think he was 61. Mm-hmm. And I remember people at work saying, oh, that's terrible. I can't believe this happened. And maybe this is a course influence on me. My immediate reaction now when I hear people pass, I'm like, good for them. Way to wake up. <laughs> Which I can't really say out loud to people who are non-course students because they just think I'm like really, really insensitive. Mm-hmm. You know, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Fisher died. That was a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Day after each other or so. Debbie Reynolds? Debbie Reynolds, yeah. Her mother. Right. But she was uh, Princess Leia, as most people know. So mm-hmm. that was 
a big Hollywood missing for everyone. I just think the course has really sort of changed the way I look at life and death. You know, some people are only here for a short amount of time, and then we'll hear on the news, oh, this young girl was hit by a car, you know, it's 14 or 15 or whatever, and passed away. And I can imagine, or I can't really truly imagine the grief the parents might have, but... The other part of me is like, hey, that's just how it is. That's in the script. Yeah, when I look at the Yahoo headlines every day, it pretty much blows my mind, all the weird stuff happening out there. And the stuff that people do to each other. Yeah, I mean, setting people on fire, torturing them, like chaining them, children, not feeding them, stucking them in closets. I mean, it's just, I don't understand why a human adult would do this to another person. And yet it seems like just uh, through history and what Gary Renard has been saying in his books is that stuff happens over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I've been studying the course as usual, and it's the end of chapter, I want to say um, 27. It says, The secret of salvation is but this. You are doing this unto yourself, no matter what form the attack. This is true. And then it kind of goes on, um, you would not react to all figures in the dream if you knew that you were dreaming. Let them be as hateful and as vicious as they may be. They could have no effect on you unless you fail to recognize it's your dream. This single lesson learned will set you free from suffering, whatever form it takes. The Holy Spirit will repeat this one lesson of deliverance until it has been learned. So I feel like it's just, again, it's that moment of separation just kind of repeating, but it's just crazy to think that it just is the hate and the anger and the upset or the whatever. It's just going to keep happening out there in the world. So how can we move through the world with peace and see it with the spiritual sight, you know, like tuning in with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and giving the moment over and trying to just keep moving through my day with them when you see all this stuff and just those crazy news headlines. I, as we both know, I'm a huge um, history buff, and I have a true, deep appreciation for the military. I'm a, a USO volunteer at the Bob Hope USO, just to give them a little plug. Cool. Um, and so there's this TV show on History Channel. It was called Six, S-I-X, just the number. And it was about the Navy SEAL team, that became famous, actually, because they're the ones with the Bin Laden raid. Okay. Uh-huh. But this is not factual. This is a fiction, right? This is a, I don't know, six or eight part drama series. It was so amazingly good. Mm. But one of the things that it showed was like you were saying, there's some pretty bad things that happen to people. Pretty heinous. A lot of it goes back to power and feeling like, you know, if you have power, you can exuded over someone okay and then there's a lot of violence in the world and but what i loved about this was deep down you can see the humanity mm-hmm. no matter what happens in these horrible situations there's always humanity and there's always kindness and light but you have to really look for it that when we just focus on i think boko haram is one of those horrible kind of um for sure groups in africa and ISIS and, you know, it's all the stuff on the news. But the reality is there's always going to be people who want to right that wrong. There are always going to be people who are going to 
try to find some goodness there, try to release those who have been held captive. And that's what really spoke to me when I was watching Six. Sure, it was pretty explosive in terms of drama, and there was a lot of stuff that I kind of winced when I was watching it. But deep down, I understood that the major mission here, not just in the TV show, but in life, is to kind of get through it and remember that we are God. We're the ones that can find God in everything. We just have to try. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I'm around people who just see negative. Certainly at work, where they'll only see the negative in everyone. Oh, this person this, this person that. And it has been, I think, a huge testament to the course that it has slowed me down from doing that completely. It's very easy to get sucked up into it, especially mm. in like work environments or when you're around people who are very much kind of addicted to the negative mm -hmm. or addicted to judgment and mm. finger pointing. Yeah. But the course has been so good in not hitting me over the head with it because it's not what the course does. And I think you had mentioned this before. It's like seeping into our soul, seeping into our consciousness. Our minds. The more we practice it. Mm -hmm. You know, and for those of you who are listening, practicing doesn't mean that you sit down every day and, and read a chapter or write down stuff. It's really just kind of taking it in and, and experiencing it on your daily life, no matter where you are. I mean, I remember I, I would get so frustrated over the simplest things, like if there were too many people in line at the gas station and... You know how like gas, the gas tank is on one side or the other of your car, so you can only really easily go into one side of the gas station pump. Mm -hmm. And I would just sit there and go, why can't these people move? You know, come on, you guys. Really? I can't wait four minutes. I can't <laughs> wait four minutes for somebody to fill up their tank. <laughs> Imagine what that would be like for me with somebody behind me trying to get me to move faster. Interesting. You know? Mm -hmm. It's like, just chill out. Who cares? I think uh, there's a word you were saying there, judgment. Jackie is doing this new, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, a, a radio call-in show on the forgiveness.net. And so I called in and I asked a question. You know, like when you look in the, when you read the course, it doesn't say anything about meditation. And when I searched for joining with God, that only showed up once. Yet there is something there about stopping and slowing down and joining with God. She said that they call it true forgiveness or true prayer. And to go back and look at the song of prayer pamphlet, mm -hmm. I think is what it is. And also to review DU about true prayer. So I'll do that. And she just sent me a link for Ken Wapnick video, which I'll probably go and look at too. But one of the things she was saying was not to judge where I'm at in my process with the course or in undoing my mind. And it seems like that word judgment that is just so automatic. Like, that's what we are. We're those meaning-making machines always judging every thought, everything in the news, every person, the good people, the bad people, the mixed-up people. Like, we're just constantly judging, aren't we? Yeah, I, I think judge or judgment has a bunch of different facets to it. Mm -hmm. I think it would be kind of impossible to be in third dimension and not judge. So when we think about judgment, we think, oh, that person's bad, you know, I'm, I'm saying this is better than that, that kind of thing. But I also think judgment can be very simple, like I'm, I'm judging this grapefruit as not as ripe as this one. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think judgment itself is a bad thing. I think it's just how we apply it. Yes. Yeah, I think so too. But generally speaking, when we talk judgment, I think we're really talking about 
making someone bad or wrong. I think it's all that, like or you said. Yourself or yeah. Or whatever, yeah. How we're doing in our process. Because mm -hmm. I really want to just undo the mind. I want to get to the other side of the veil. I'd like to be able to have my inner guidance system really strong where I'm, I can get answers to my questions, you know, in the moment without having to maybe go home and be quiet or... But well, I can't wait to read Gary's new book, Gary Renard's new book. So it should be coming out sometime this year. But Christmas time, probably. But the reason why I really want to read it is I want to get a little more sense of what Jesus was like and how did Jesus handle judgment? So we would think he was without judgment, but maybe he did have judgment, just not in the negative context. Like, what would it be like to live in third dimension and not have judgment? It seems like he must have been pretty progressed so that when he came in as the body Jesus, he was already there. But it does seem like judgment is something you can't help. It does just automatically happen all the time. But it's like, who's, who are we going to see the script with? You know, the ego or the Holy Spirit? So every time we remember, because we always forget and then we remember... It's like, who do I want to see this story with? And, and just remembering that all these people are actors in my own play. Like the other night I was thinking of how a colleague of mine, sometimes when I'm with them, moves very jerky. And it gets very kind of petulant and like upset and, you know, just frustrated. Like I can see it. And sometimes in the past I've thought, oh, why does this person get so upset like this? Like you can't help the traffic it just is what it is or whatever when we're driving to a meeting or something and then I saw myself doing that and I thought I was at home just doing some stuff around the house but I had that angst in me I thought you know what that's why I see it in that other person because it starts with me aha and it's like thank you to the other person for being that way so that I could see it in myself and forgive it, the illusion, and just remembering like all the, all the, everything that happens, everyone in the play is somebody we put there. Right. And that really is like the crux of the course. It's like, it's all emanating from us. Yeah. And all we have to do is remember that. It's pretty trippy. It is even, very trippy. Just thinking like, I created you, you created me, but yet we're both here. Mm -hmm. It's just wild. There are times, and I will admit this, where I may have talked about this before, I have a, a crisis of confidence in the course. And it's only because I'll be driving to work and this idea of the fact we're in a dream and the dreamscape is so complicated and rich and it's like, Complex. how did this happen? And how do we all kind of dream it at the same time? Like, to me, that was like messing with my brain. And I thought, really, is the course, what's the course talking about? But I haven't been able to like let it go. It's the one mind split. Mm -hmm. Like the one mind is dreaming all of it, all at once. No matter how much I try, I can't quit it. I can't quit the course. <laughs> I don't want to. I feel like it's working. I, I think it is. For me, it's, it's a lot more subtle than I would have thought. It's not like learning a different language. Like having it completely envelop you and just start to take over so subconsciously that you don't quite really know what's going on. I mean, I've definitely changed a lot since I started doing the course. But unlike you, I'm not like doing it, meaning reading it every day. But it's such a part of my life, you know. And it's definitely changed how I deal with other people. I'm so not there yet. 
You know what I mean? It's still a learning process for me. And that's the practice. It's the practice, right? Mm-hmm. Applying Because there it. are still a few people in my life that I'm challenged by in a not-so-positive way. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to older episodes of this podcast, a lot of the stuff that was totally consuming me on a daily basis has gone. That's And this is a lot of, like, the work stuff. It's just, it doesn't exist anymore. Everything is just really quieted down and... I'm not having the angst that I used to have. A lot of that is just my ego letting it all go. Mm-hmm. I was so ego kind of focused before, and I wasn't realizing it, and it was all about, but I'm important too. Why aren't you seeing that? And now I'm like, whatever. Yeah, the ego wants to dominate, and that's all we know until we came to the course. Right. Now we have a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I just feel like the older I get... I. I I'm really embracing the fact that now that I'm older, I don't have the same needs or the ego kind of trappings that were so important to me. Like 10 years ago, there were much different kind of focuses for me. Now it's not that at all. Now it's more like, well, how can I just be a better person tomorrow? And I never would have thought about that before. It just wasn't one of my top tens. I was more worried about superficial stuff. Mm-hmm. And now I kind of am not. I was just saying on the weekends, I love it that I don't have to wear makeup. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I could just be who I am and not have the facade. And I wouldn't have been like that before. It's just, I don't know, it feels very freeing. I did end up having a counseling session with Gary. And I got a couple things out of that. One was that Art and Impersa did come through. And they let me know that it's going to be at least two to three years before I'm leaving Los Angeles. And that gave me so much peace because I had some real big angst in me of how am I going to find a place to buy like land and how am I going to make all this stuff happen like by the end of the year Ah! so now I'm just kind of relaxing into this I feel like I'm transitioning to you know what I'm just going to take it day by day I'm just going to be in the now as much as I can be and I just feel like that pressure's off of me now and now I can just you know show up as best as I can to work not that I wasn't but my garden is a very big part of me and there's been a lot of rodent activity there so there's been a war going on there so even the garden is a great example for me that relates to how I operate in my mind to use as an as a venue to help transform the situation so I've been working with the nature spirits and the devas I got all the essences and the soil balancing kit and all that stuff and doing energy clearings and I'm trying to build that that bridge to God through an uh, an inner guidance system, which I think nature is a good part of that for me because mm-hmm. it's something that I can relate to. You know, like if I was a soccer player, then maybe there'd be all these lessons coming from being on a team and playing soccer. But for me, it's the garden. Right. Yeah, lessons are what we focus on, whether it's work or garden or TV or reading, that kind of thing. I do want to give a quick plug uh, to Gary Renard. So those of you who, we found out about it on the Yahoo discussion group, I think, originally, but Gary Renard is offering counseling sessions, um, I think, for the next couple months, right, before he goes on some more touring. So if you get a chance and you're interested, contact Gary Renard. Is it Gary Renard at? It's on our Facebook page. They can look for it. Yeah. Or probably on his page. Oh, that's true. It probably makes more sense to go to Gary Renard's page. But anyway, there is, there is that. Um, I think they're an hour. Are they an hour and a half? I don't, I don't no. remember. Yeah. It, it's an hour. Yeah. So if you're interested, 
Mm-hmm. Check it out. Oh, yeah. I watched this documentary called Jesus in India. Oh, tell me about that. So it was about the middle years of 12 to 30. Where was he? And they traced him going to all these different places, learning about Buddhism. And I don't think Islam was around quite yet. Of course, Christianity hadn't been invented yet. But just all these Eastern religions and meditations. And But the thing was, is as the guy was making the journey through India, he learned that after Jay was on the cross, they took him down and actually, he continued living as a man in India. So he survived the crucifixion. That's what okay. this theory is, and that it's all in these manuscripts. So they took him down because he was crucified in, in Israel, and they took him to India? That's where, what, like, once he got better, he went to oh, I see. Okay. Kazakhstan or Istanbul, or I don't know what it was, some other country. Mm-hmm. I did email Gary and Cindy and asked them about that. And they said that Jay actually did, you know, leave the the body. But I thought that was kind of interesting for a heartbeat to think. So for this movie, Jesus in India, what was the basis of their information that they said this is what happened? They interviewed tons of monks, like the Dalai Lama, whatever lineage he's from. Um, They also interviewed a lot of people from Yogananda Center here in L.A., Mm -hmm. They interviewed scholars, all kinds of people. They talked about Thomas and the Nag Hammadi. You know, so they had all kinds of great little information. But there's a tomb in a Muslim area now that is totally fenced off. And that supposedly is where Jay's body is resting. So supposedly all the Eastern people know about it, but the Western people don't because, of course, they would have taken it out because they don't want us to think that he mm-hmm. continued because it doesn't fit their story. So how long in the movie did Jesus live? They didn't give an exact year, but it sounded like he lived to like 50, 60. Like and he was just he married? Did he have Well, that's the thing. Or? They mentioned Mary, but they mentioned his mother and not Mary Magdalena, which we know he was married to her, so he, she would have gone with him. They never mentioned Mary Magdalena in the documentary. Interesting. So it was, it, was, it was kind of a weird documentary. Someone passed it on to me, and I, I thought, oh, something about Jesus. I definitely want to watch this. I think I would like this. to watch it. I'm, I'm fascinated by kind of like different views on things. I'm not a big believer that reality is just one way. I think there mm-hmm. could be alternate realities. You know what I mean? And we can focus on one or another. Who knows what's true? I don't even know what truth is anymore, honestly. <laughs> it is what it is. Love. That's yeah. all. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. That, that is the only truth. But I would be interested in, in hearing more about that. Uh, a little over a year ago, I'd seen this artwork at the Ten Women Art Gallery that this woman named Tanya Michaela created. And she's into tearing up pieces of paper and doing kind of collages, mm-hmm. almost like a painting. And there was one with this nature spirit who had on angel wings. So when my body was hurting the other day and I was in the shower, I just started thinking of that image and imagining light coming into my body and just kind of stretching out like the image in the painting. And my bo- I could feel light coming into my body and it felt mm. so much better. So I think sometimes just where we put the focus in our mind can also determine how we're feeling in the moment. Yeah, I agree. And I really feel that that painting called to me as kind of a pre-paving to what's coming now. 
So it was over a year ago, but now I'm just getting back into the nature spirits. Like it was kind of a little mental seed that was planted and is now unfolding. And that's all I want to do is work with nature in the future. So you know, thinking back to when we first started getting to the course and kind of like what my life was like back then. And it is just such a salve for me. Everything has just gotten so much more calmer and more loving and more understanding. Like I said, I'm not there completely yet, but I definitely am on that road. And it's funny how people who come into the course, and, and we see this because we've been going to um, workshops and stuff, you know, over time, that there are people who are kind of new to it. We find that out through their questions and stuff like that. But it's like all these different age groups, all these different like ways of life coming together. But I had mentioned this before, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, and I still find it interesting, is at least the workshops that we have been attending, very, very few minorities attend. I wonder why. Yes, yeah, Hispanic, just because of we're in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the course is translated into different languages. Um, we, I think we have a good mix in the Tuesday night Course of Miracles group yeah. hosted by Jackie, sure. which by the way, everyone, she's changing locations. So we're going to be going uh, still kind of Beverly Hills adjacent by the Beverly Center. Rob, who's in the group, owns a furniture store. So I can't wait to see his furniture. But at least it'll be better seating. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> and just a reminder, if anyone's on the East Coast and can get to Richmond, Virginia, Jackie and Cindy are doing a workshop there on March 25th. And then in September, they're going to be in Ohio. So if anyone... Toledo, I think. Yeah, if anyone's going to be in that area. And I took a screen grab because Cindy's also teaching a one-day solo class. It's going to be in Aurora, New York on October 7th. It's called Awakening to Love's Presence, Letting Go of the Dream of Fear. So she's starting to get out by herself now. So one of the best dates I think you can have in the year. Yeah, in addition to uh, still doing some stuff with Gary. So she's going to do solo work. She's going to work with her sister Jackie, and she's also going to work with Gary this year. Correct. And, oh, that was the thing. So one of her books is going to be released this spring. She says, um, okay, first of all, Toledo, Ohio is on September 16th. Where's the one? Okay, here it is. She's got a three-part series book coming out on various themes, taken from most of the questions that we get in the workshops, health and wellness, relationships and forgiveness, and suicide suicidal tendencies. Oh. So she's thinking by spring, she, one of her first books will be out. So we, we'll post that when we see we'll it. definitely get that one. Yes. Oh, yeah. Speaking of books, so I have here the forgiveness book, Healing the Hurts We Don't Deserve by D. Patrick Miller. This is a reprint. I think he might have updated it. It was first released 23 years ago. He talks about the seven steps of forgiving. And he was also talking about anger. Maybe that's why I had some weird anger come up yesterday. I don't know if anyone else has this, but just out of the blue, sometimes I feel really angry, and I have no idea why. I mean, sure, if I'm driving in traffic, but I wasn't driving in traffic Were yet. Were you angry at someone? You just had no, random anger. Feeling. It's just random anger that comes up. 
and I had meditated. I knew I was heading to the garden yesterday, but it was still there. Yeah, so I, I just, maybe it's just stuff that came up and you needed to release it. Like then, unconscious guilt yeah. coming out in the form of anger. To carry anger against anyone is to poison your own heart, administering more toxins, and especially when you replay it in your mind, the injury that's been done to you. That's a quote I took out of D. Patrick Miller's book. How did you get D. Patrick Miller's book? Um, somehow it was emailed to us, or maybe it was on Facebook. He had a, a mention about it being released, and you could get an autographed copy if you pre-ordered it. So that's what I did. Mm -hmm. And it's autographed right here. Awesome. Yeah. I would like to meet him. I would, too. He was the conduit for Disappearance of the Universe, and for that, I would love to thank him personally. Definitely. So it's a beautiful, cute little readable book. I highly encourage everyone. And there's a foreword by a man at Stanford who has a forgiveness project, oh. which I would like to learn more about that. A university doing a whole scientific program on measuring and... You know, Stanford always seemed like pretty cool with stuff like this. I just, I'm, I'm leafing through the book right now just to see who this foreword is, just to see if I... Yeah, doctor. Recognize the somebody. name. It's Frederick Luskin, PhD, author of Forgive for Good and Forgive for Love. He's the director of Stanford Forgiveness Projects. That's amazing. Maybe I should check him out. Yeah. You know. We like to know what other works people are doing to help ground forgiveness in the psychology of the world. I like academics that actually start looking at this stuff. So often, academia is like, oh, no, we're all about truth, and, and it's a very black and white world, and I like it when we see people who are deep thinkers. Yeah, speaking of which, I just was watching last week's Saturday Night Live, and the musical guest was Father John Misty. He's an artist that I've heard on KCRW, my local public radio station, and that performance I mean it's giving me the chills right now if you guys can go online and look at it his lyrics this guy is enlightened mm. and the second song he sung was the song that's the radio station's been playing for a while I think it might even be an older song Father John Misty check out him as a musical artist check it out is he on, on iTunes I'm sure he is yeah I'll check him out I've been in love with Ed Sheeran lately, so I've been doing an Ed Sheeran thing. Great. But I'll look at Father John Misty, too. <laughs> it was wild because he doesn't have a chorus where this, it's the same words. Like most artists right. are very simple lyrics that they kind of repeat. And it was like all brand new lyrics all the way through. It was like a storytelling. Yeah, it was. It's unique. I'll have to check it out. All right, well, this is a lively discussion. Thank you very much, Stephanie. And to our dreamers, we will be back in a few weeks for the Course of Course, Episode 60. Peace to our minds. Let all our thoughts be still. Amen. Bye-bye.